Hey friend, welcome back to the Summit Up podcast. I'm your host, Blake Reed Evans, and this podcast is powered by Summit Salon Business Center. And I am so thankful that you are tuning in. If you're loving the show, just take a second and share it with somebody because we want to make sure that we connect with all of your friends as well. And if you really, really love it, take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And today's episode is going to be talking about many things, but the two main topics we're going to really focus on is recruitment. And then more important than recruitment is retention. And I was drawn to the person that we're about to have a conversation with, Jared, uh, because of the recruiting effort that they put into social media. And I started Googling their salon and looking it up and seemed like such a cool thing, so many cool things that they offer. I was really blown away. And Jared is the owner of Deseo Salon and Blow Dry in Denver, Colorado, and they are offering some amazing things that outbeat any like traditional corporate salon. So Jared, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Blake. Thanks for the nice introduction. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, like just to paint a picture for, for our friend listening, I was scrolling on Instagram and I saw this recruitment that was one, visually beautiful, but two, it just had a list of things that made me pause. And I was like, oh, wow, that's so cool. So I like clicked on your page. Your salon is beautiful. I went to your website. Like it really did draw me into like every aspect of your your business. And as a salon owner myself, I was like, wow, it's, it's so incredible. So let's jump right into recruitment from the top. Like how, how important is recruitment to your salon company? It's the number one priority. I'm an outsider to the industry. This is my my wife's hair salon. She started it years ago. My background, I had an engineering firm and different things. So I started working with her on this salon a couple of years ago. And one of the things we talked about right at the beginning is, well, how do you get great people? In any business I've ever been in, it's not just getting great people, but it's also cultivating long-term relationships with those people. Because honestly, hiring is tough and most people probably listen to this if they've had to hire and then you lose somebody you have to hire again churn with employees is tough it's expensive it's frustrating you never know you can have all the best hiring practices in the world and still hire not the best people so really recruiting top talent and not just recruiting but retaining is priority number one for us because nothing else can work if we don't have great stylists and also a great internal culture with that. Yeah. And I think a lot of businesses in general experience such a, a downturn in or overturn in, in employees since um, 2020. And then now I know it's on top of pretty much every salon owner's mind. And I know as a salon owner myself, like we just made it like literally our number one rock that we were focused on was retention uh, and recruitment. So what are some things that your your company is offering to really attract people? Because I even saw that there was some sort of like relocation reimbursement or something like that to really get good people to come to you. So what are some of the things that you all offer? Yeah. So, I mean, first and foremost is just our, our compensation. I mean, as far as I can tell in the Denver area, um, no one comes close to the average comp. I mean, we, we offer a the lion's share of our money which obviously drives down your gross profit, but you make up with volume, right? I mean, that's how you do it. But again, I think we can touch back on that in a little bit, but number one is compensation with money, benefits to provide provide security, right? So health insurance paid. This is a physical job, not just 
not just reactive type medicine where if you get sick or you get hurt that you have an outlet or a doctor to go to, but preventative, right? Staying healthy, chiropractic visits, things like that. That's important. I mean, so offering that, offering 401ks for people to put money away, offering, we offer a financial advisor for them to work with. Again, long-term vision. A lot of these are a lot about the long-term thinking. It's not flash in the pan type stuff. We offer, we give people flexibility to work various different types of hours as long as it's within our bounds. So we, we offer high commissions on retail as well. We bring in all their clients. And again, for business owners, I think it's it's sometimes really be willing to sacrifice the short term right in front of your face for the long-term benefit and to remember that recruiting, customer client acquisition, those are expensive endeavors. It's harder to quantify, right? Because you're like, oh, wow, I'm paying this low commission and I'm making all this money. But then if you're having to go and then recruit that new employee twice in a year, and then you're having to go find new customers to fill your, your stylist books, that's very expensive. And it just, I think from my experience in this industry so far, I don't see a lot of people maybe taking those numbers into account because they don't stand out quite as much. So all the things we offer are very much long-term focused. I love that you think about that because it's like, we really do want you to think about like long-term, like one, one big thing I teach in a leadership segment is like, you need to be flexible with people because if your dream is to work with these people I, in a perfect scenario for what, 35 years, they're going to have moments where if they have kids, they might shrink down their schedule or as they wind down towards retirement, they may shrink their schedule or they may want to take a month off to go on vacation. Like, so I've met so many salon owners that are like, but that month that they're gone, I'm going to lose so much money. And it's like, how, it, how worth it is you to lose that, that person for the other 11 months that they're going to be there over that one month when, I love that long-term thinking in terms of what you're providing with like 401k and health insurance and fair compensation and, and everything like that. It's really massive. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. So in terms of, because you have such great offerings for people, just literally they, you have it to where someone could move across the country and you make it easier on them. What does your interview process like look like to make sure that you as an owner, because you have so many things that are so attractive, to make sure that you're not just getting kind of the the gold digger to try to get the relocation money and, and like that kind of vibe. Yeah. What I've always encouraged in all, in all my companies and what we employ here is first, obviously you're going to, you're going to look at hard skills, right? I mean, look at their pictures, look at their Instagram, obviously that stuff, and, and, you know, a technical prowess, the technical interview, and that's just going to be your part and parcel. Right. But beyond that and what, really dominates is, is culture and your soft traits are number one, right? And I mean, business books have been written about this. It's culture first, right? So part of our interview process is you're going to meet with a team. We do collaborative interviewing. We have different folks go out, meet the people, interview them too. So we get buy-in from the team as to like, okay, yeah, this person is a fit. So that's also a part of the process that we that I strongly recommend Back when I had my engineering firm and we run the gamut of not just engineering exams, but we'd have your kind of Meyer, Myers-Briggs-ish type testing and all that too. And my impression of this industry is that could be a little bit of a turnoff for, for good people. You start to lay out test after test and you're, you're, you're quantifying. I, I don't necessarily see 
stylists as people who who enjoy that, right? Versus like an engineer who's like, yeah, sure, I'll take tests. So we draw a line and say, well, we're gonna we're gonna roll the dice with my discretion, my wife's discretion, and the team's discretion to say, hey, this is a, this is a good person. I feel we have a pretty good batting average at that point to say, yeah, they are a good person. It doesn't mean you're not going to miss because you do. It's just about raising that average. So we have that three-part process really of evaluation via pictures, technical, but most importantly, culture fit and team buy-in. Yeah. Yeah. We always say we just want to hire like nice people and we can even train the rest. I mean, yeah, I need to make sure you can like do a haircut, but I'm like, we'll train the rest, you know, just to find nice people that are motivated and to grow and, and all of that. It's hard to find. And yeah, I, I love that you say that because you're right. Those soft skills are so sometimes unteachable and it's, it's so, so necessary for a business to be able to do that. Actually, I would love to talk about like people who do slip through the cracks and because we have a three-part system too at our salon. So we feel like we have good batting average too, but once in a while, someone interviews really well, they know how to play the game and they infiltrate your salon almost like a Trojan horse. And it is one of the most jarring things because when you do have a strong culture, and I'm, I'm sure this happened to you, like all of a sudden your team is like, what the hell? What is going on? What is up with this person? Why did you hire them? And they're they're really freaked out by by outsiders who don't mesh. So how did how did your salon handle that? And like how quickly do you exit these people? Quickly, you know, it's just you got to pull the you got to pull the band aid. We give people a chance. It's not that we sit there and don't address it. You know, hey, here's what we've seen. You're here. Let's get a plan of action to get you to here. And this is some things some feedback or numbers or whatever it may be. And then if they can't buy into the system or buy into the culture, then we just, yeah, you pull the ripcord as quickly yeah. as possible. It just, because you've let it fester, right? It's just cancer. It spreads. Yeah. We have the same thing. We'll have like a one or two Frank conversations and coaching, coaching moments. And if we don't see behavior change where we feel the same way and yeah, it, it is so, so, so important for that to be able to happen. So in terms of retention, and I know we've talked a lot about benefits and keeping people on your team, what are some things that your your team does culture-wise to make sure that everyone is interacting with each other, keep morale high, and things like that? Sure. We do the training events. We do, we do team events. So we try to get everybody together. We're a really busy salon, and I know people are busy, but we still at least try to get together quarterly and hang out and do stuff like that. Having team meetings in the morning that you know maybe don't necessarily revolve around work, but are more just fun, culture-based activities, or just talking about what are we grateful for today? Is it an interesting starter? Because everyone all of a sudden, wow, it's like, man, I reflect what a good year I had. Look at my portfolio. Look how much money I've been making. Look at my life. Like I got, I got time to do stuff. So gratitude and we really we do focus pretty strongly on on that word i think it becomes semi-cliche but we do try to do little things to re- reflect on how how lucky we all are certainly and it, it that alone i think goes a long way i i wouldn't thousand percent agree i'm a huge i'm a huge fan of manifestation in general but like the idea of gratitude is is so i think very important you know, when you do it at a team meeting and like you hear so-and-so's pregnant, oh, I just bought a house or I moved out or I got a new car, like these big life events. It's just so fun to be able to celebrate that with your coworkers. And 
I remember as like being a new stylist when I would hear like, oh, so-and-so got their dream car. I, I was like, oh my gosh, that could be me someday. And I think that those little things also help motivate those who are not quite there yet. And just the idea of gratitude in general, I think is, is so important. I, and I think that's a great point too, is like, because some people get worried about what is bragging, right? Bragging versus like, actually it's like lifting, right? I had a really nice interview the other day with a potential new stylist and they even mentioned that because we're very big on numbers and metrics and how we, how we measure. And, you know, she took the words out of my mouth. It's like, wow, it's kind of cool seeing everybody else because you see how to, who to aspire to be and how to aspire to be better. So it's not about, look at that, look at what this person has. Oh my gosh, that's not fair or whatever. It's like, wow, what are they doing? people that I love and I want to be around are the people who want to see everybody else around them, like bring them up and share their successes with them. And that, that's what I love about running businesses. It's kind of odd for me being in a, a hair salon world, but, but the common thread becomes, I love seeing people succeed. And, and if you have that sort of intrinsic motivation, the other stuff kind of tends to fall into place. I, I really love to hear that because it's the idea of like, Two of like, if you help push somebody up, you can also bring somebody up with you and we can climb this mountain together. And I think that that it's, it's really uncommon in, in our industry. And so it just makes me happy to hear salon companies like yours, where you, you have that there and it's, it's such a, a necessary thing. Well, I can't say no one's perfect and no company is perfect. So I don't ever want to come across, but that's a cer- certainly what we strive to, but it also does start from the top with business owners and the leaders who run, I mean, you have to, to run it in that way. And that also comes like when we talked about how do we offer all this and that. Again, I want all of us to succeed. I want all of us to have a, a comfortable, good living in life. Yeah. I mean, like when you think about the reality of a small business, like one, we're the backbone of America. And then two, like you're providing like a true living for not just that person, but also the people in their lives, whether it's a, a parent they're supporting or their kids or their partners. And from my experience, most hairdressers in, in a lot of situations, they're the breadwinners in their households. And so to be able to have a business and be a part of that for those people is such a magical thing. And and it's not that common in all salons. But the fact that as small businesses, we are employing people in our local community, I think is really, really amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it, like you said, it's the backbone of the community. Denver is an expensive city relatively. You know, what's interesting is the average household income in Denver is like somewhere 70 to 75K. You know, that's a household. And then we look at our averages and we're like, wow, our average is about 114K today. And that's such a neat feeling to be like, holy cow people here are making 50% more than the average household in this city. So again, you treat people right and and do the right things and and the money comes, right? You do the right stuff and good things are going to happen. Frankly, I see like that's probably the way in which most salons or businesses are going to have to move, right? I mean, what Mm -hmm. we've learned through COVID in these last couple of years, if you listen to the news is this is a kind of a, there's a turning point, inflection point in our country regarding labor having the power again, right? And the workers have the power. You see that United Auto Workers, what's going on there and everything they're doing. And and that's a trend that's going to go across. I mean, you know, trades. People aren't getting into trades. People aren't getting into barbering. They're not getting into cosmetology. They're not getting into plumbing, things like that, right? So the businesses that are going to succeed are going to have a shortage of workers, I think, for the next, for quite a while, actually. 
And if you don't embody that, we can all win together mentality. I think you don't have a long lifespan. Yeah, I a thousand percent agree. I think a soundbite that I keep trying to put out in the world and a lot of content I do is like, literally hairdressers could work anywhere. Like they could literally work in their kitchen if they really wanted to. I'm not saying they should, but they could, right? I could go out into a field and start coloring hair and I know people would show up. So you have to make it worth it for people to stay at your salon company. There are so many suite options and booth rentals and other amazing commission salons. And also like these chain salons, they also offer a lot of really amazing things. So in order for you to hold on to people, you have to make it worth it. Some of it has to do with money, but a lot of it has to do with like the vibe of the salon and like your ethics and morals and values. And that's kind of what we're, what we're noticing with Gen Z more than any other generation is you have to, you have to walk the walk or you have to walk the talk. Are you who you say you are and what are your morals and values? Like I have people ask in interviews, like, so what charities does your salon support? I had never been asked that pre 2020. And then now it's a question like out of every like five interviews, I probably answer it one or two times. So it's, I think it's amazing because it's just pushing, pushing us forward. But it is a little odd whenever you get asked those kind of questions the first time. And because the access internet, I feel like I'm getting asked really good questions. Like my mom told me to ask this question when I interviewed at my salon. How long has the longest person worked here? And how many other people have worked here around that time? Like, those are really great questions to ask. Yeah. And you're right. It's a much more conscientious group of individuals. And I mean, this is always interesting to me too, is when I came into this world is even more so I'd say with a stylist than, you know, somebody in a different profession. They're very much, when you said vibe oriented, that is a hundred percent what I found. It's not necessarily all about the money. It's really, I don't necessarily agree with the sentiment totally, but they'll work for far less money for a place that they really consider their family and they, and they like the people. Now I think you can combine the, both those things, but, but yeah, that's certainly what I've seen as well. It's like, they're very much more conscientious about environmental social aspect, as you mentioned, charities, things like that. So yeah, and they're not going to change. So as a business owner, you can just, you know. You just have to evolve. Adapt or not. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we have to adapt to them because they're the ones we're employing, right? Like we we can try to get them on board with it, but I just think that you will end up alienating people in the long run. You're, you're exactly right. And, and to your point, yeah, the minute you start to feel like the, the curmudgeon person, you're like, oh my yeah. gosh, I've become my parents, right? So yeah. And just to be empathetic regarding where this generation has grown up from like a financial standpoint, I mean, basically it's been more or less just good times. Yeah, there was a 2008 crash, but, you know, money was printed in the trillions and really things have been pretty cushy and great, right? So relatively speaking, I mean, we have inflation and everything else, but prosperity has continued to grow. Money has continued to get thrown around in this country. So a lot of people have grown up in an environment where they had money. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, so that basic need is met, like money, shelter, food, all that. So what's the next iteration of things I can be concerned with? Right. So it makes sense that they're going to look around and go, okay, well, there's inequality, there's environmental stuff, there's all these things. So it makes, it makes a ton of sense. I really, I really love that too. So um, what advice do you have for salons that really do need to adapt their mindset around the long-term investment, like back into their business. Like if a salon is looking to increase their 
commission or get rid of back bar fees or like how do you get them to understand it's a, it's a really is a long term payoff yeah I, I guess there's a there's a lot to unpack there really i mean number 1 is well, it, it depends on the type of salon owner right because you have i think there's kind of maybe sort of more business financial type owners and then there's worker type owners right so maybe to cut it into two separate answers for people who are maybe more financially minded, it's really, I think just run the numbers to define your customer acquisition costs, define your, the cost to hire somebody new and to recruit and define them. And then if they don't work out and everything else, right. I mean, it's, it's pretty cut and dry when you start to look at and say, well, gosh, how I, I, I churn employees for each chair. I'm churning one person per year or one person every six months. So quantify the cost of customer acquisition, then look at it and then say, well, okay, well, if I can not have to do that every year or however often it is, then how can I maybe pay a little better or maybe provide a benefit where I can still save money. So I make money, they make more money. We both win because they're here longer, right? So that's people who are on the finance side could certainly do that exercise. It's not that complicated. And then maybe for a salon, for stylists to our salon owners, I mean, they're maybe not going to run like that, that spreadsheet analysis. It, I think it becomes more stress-related with, with those types of folks. And just to maybe really sit back and try to quantify your levels of stress every time you think about maybe journal it, maybe talk, remember, gosh, all right, I lost those two people and I had to hire and it took months and then I, I couldn't find clients for them and I, I was stressed out and everything was just, I felt like it fell apart. Here's another interesting exercise for people. We're, we're looking to expand and part of it's via acquisition. And I, I tell you, when I look at, I look at these possible acquisition targets and a lot of salon owners and I mean, a lot of them that are for sale are always like the you start talking to them and it's basically just like, look, I've just had it. I can't do it anymore. Right. They've come to the end and they've burned out. And there's so many stories of people selling their salon because of that reason. There's very few people who are selling it where they're like, kind of, I've built a good thing and ready to do something else. To be successful. Totally. A lot of it, I'd even possibly say the majority of it are people who just burned out because of all the things we're talking about. And it just adds up and they become these intangibles and it's finally just like i'm done get me out of here so thinking about that from the salon owner perspective do i want to always be so stressed out having to go through this or would i just rather pay a little bit more and hang on to these people and life's going to be a little easier i'll still make i'll still make a living i'll still be okay you know so i would argue in in both senses from an economic standpoint and stress-related standpoint it's going to be it's a better answer in the end. And I'm not saying just we give away the farm. I mean, you know, keep, keep in mind, I mean, we're in Denver. Our model works well in Denver because people want to move here, higher price city. I'm sure in Ames, Iowa, it's going to be a different story, right? But you have to figure out like what those numbers are and what you can and what's fair and what you can live on. Yeah. Well, it's definitely something like Tampa, one of our zip codes had the highest cost of living increase in the country was in, in our town. And so we had to keep up to make sure that people could afford to live in Tampa. Like it's the, the cost of living is skyrocketed and it's as a business owner, it's great because you have these people who have really great livings moving here and, and all of that. But for the stylists, like 
when you're you're 19, 20, 21, you're just getting started. It's it's really, really hard. So I, I, I love that you take that in consideration. Of course, at Summit, we always say the math may be scary, but it never lies. So you just got to you gotta run the numbers. And if you're not a numbers person, find somebody that you can call into your business that is. Because as a shareholder team, we a few years ago got rid of, we had a back bar fee that was taken off the top before commission was started. And we realized how much that of a turnoff recruitment-wise that was for people. And we just got rid of it. Now, it, budget-wise for that year, we were like, oh my gosh, it's going to be insane. But now when we look and we've grown our employees, I, we've grown by like another 25 employees or something like that since that decision. Like it's more well than worth it to have lost that year of profit for the long term of the business's growth and, and how many employees we've increased by. Sure. And there's a million ways to slice and dice how, how you parse out comp. I mean, that's why I try to focus more on like the gross comp number, because from a finance side, you can do all sorts of little math voodoo and come up with the same exact number. But again, it's maybe to your point of how you market that, right? So you said, well, hey, this is our value proposition is we're going to do this and this is how you're going to get there, right? And that and that certainly turns people on because of maybe the connotation towards that back bar, right? So, and again, any depends on the situation, but salon owners can use that tactic. They can use others. Again, we focus strictly on just, look, here's your gross comp. Here's what people in Colorado make. Here's how much the average stylist makes. I mean, you know, the, the, the proof's in the final number, regardless of how you, you, how you get there basically. So yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. We also like, we were like figuring out and like, because of the extra math problem step of the back bar fee specifically, now that it's just a clean percentage, it, they were able to calculate their paychecks easier. And I realized that there was like a lot less animosity towards the business. Cause I don't know, like, because you're right, it, it is all math at the end of the day, or you can move the money around whichever way. But it was like that, just the act of them being like, it's just one math problem that they have to do to calculate their paycheck, not like two, the two-step math problem was a problem for people. And I didn't realize that that was a problem for people because I like numbers. So I've, I've just always been like, yeah, you just subtract that and then you do the, your percentage and that's what your paycheck's going to be. But it can be a turnoff for, for some people. So it's cool. It's cool to see like so many different ways to be able to, to do it. Yeah, yeah. And however you do it, just to be transparent about it. Yeah, yes, exactly. Pay transparency is huge. That's the thing is just be like, look, it's not some black box. It's like, here, here's how much we make on average. So we're, we're very, we're meticulous in the fact like we graph it every month, we chart it every month, we give it out to everybody every month. And we say, cool. well, here's how everyone's doing. Here's how much the, here's how much our commissions are, here's how much we're getting paid. Here's what the average looks like. And then we post it publicly on our website and I just kind of keep it updated. And um, but yeah, the transparency is key. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. Well, I want to thank you for like all of the amazing things that you shared with us. It was such valuable information. And I really definitely wanted to highlight your salon company because it was so interesting to me, just even as someone who just like organically came across your your stuff. And I really thought it was just really, really impressive. So I just, I love, love everything that you're, you're doing in the space. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And yeah, I appreciate you reaching out to me. It's been great talking to you and yeah, look forward to keeping in touch here and continuing to see you guys succeed as well. Thank you. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that. How can uh, people get in contact with you? Like, I, I, I'm sure at this point, there's someone in the Colorado area that alone that's like, I think I want to <laughs> work there. 
how can people get in touch with your, your salon company? Yeah, absolutely. Our website is deseosalondenver.com. Deseo is spelled D-E-S-E-O, salondenver.com. So it's Deseo Salon and Blow Dry. You can go to the website. Uh, there's contact information there. You can just email info at deseosalondenver.com. There's also a phone number there. There's a form to fill out if you like to application. So we have a, a myriad of ways, uh, however you're comfortable, to get in touch with us. And yeah, love to hear from people. And certainly if other owners have questions or like to collaborate, feel free to do the same. Amazing. I, I absolutely love that. So we end every show with a question. What does happiness mean to you? As I mentioned earlier, happiness is really, for me, watching the people around me succeed and growing and succeeding with them. I mean, whether that's uh, business relationships, family, friends, it's just fun to be around that success. And I, mm. I really feed off and I love it. It makes me happy. I, I absolutely love that. Well, thank you, Jared, for joining us. And thank you, friend, for listening. I hope that this was insightful for you. Definitely geared more towards salon owners. I hope it opened up your mind to what's possible out there. And until next time, we'll see you again soon. Mm-hmm.